0: hello 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 and welcome to rainbows rising where we ascend together i'm rainbow raja shaman and transformational coach i'm here to help you overcome challenges and adversity through consciousness practices perception shifts and self-care through the inclusivity of all belief systems and backgrounds each month i cover a guest And we talk about hot topics and modalities to offer you new insights, tips, and healing skills to support you on your journey to become the best version of yourself. Thank you so much for joining me today on the show. I'm really excited about May, you guys. We covered storytelling back in December. Great month. We talked about how you can... Utilize storytelling to flip the script on old thought patterns, belief systems, etc. This month, we're actually going to be talking about writing. But not in the storytelling way. Though it can be applied. We're actually talking about writing. Like taking out pen and paper, taking out your computer, or a typewriter and writing down words whether that be journaling whether that be writing stories or poetry whether that be writing letters we are going to talk about how you can utilize the art of writing in your practice whether that be a self-care practice a transformational practice or a spiritual practice now I like to start every month off with a healing and a reading to give you direction on how to apply these new skills, these new tools to your life and to challenge you and make it a game to apply it into your life and to make it something you can actually um, incorporate into your day-to-day practices. Now, When I was sitting and meditating on how I should approach this topic and give you guys a nice tarot reading to start your month off, I was actually shown a new approach. I hope you guys will bear with me. So as I was sitting with my guides, they told me that I should read excerpts from some books. Now, I had no idea how I was going to do that. Luckily, I have quite a few books, quite a few inspirational books from all different backgrounds, all different belief systems. And as I was digging through my bookcase, I stumbled across eight great books. They may be a little obscure, and... Maybe when I read the titles, you won't know which one to choose. I ask that you feel into your body, that you trust your intuition, that you feel into your heart, and just do your best to connect with one of the titles, and you can skip ahead to the chapter with that book's title to hear what that excerpt is. If you are running or driving, and you don't wanna to have to skip ahead to anything, you're like, I don't know about that, that's fine as well. Go ahead and just keep tuned in, and I will just read what we have, and hopefully will resonate with what comes up. Before I tell you what books I have, I did take a moment before the show and I did a little writing myself. I wrote a poem about what writing means to me and how writing has affected me and and what my relationship to writing is. And I hope that by setting the intention and sharing this poem will help you guys. Be inspired to do some writing this month, whether it's, like I said, journaling or a poem, etc. That you take some time and you write. Even if it's writing what you're grateful for at the end of the day or beginning of the day, no matter what it is, just take some time and do some writing. This poem took me four minutes to write, it was very simple, very easy. And I wrote it in pen with only one mistake, and it was a spelling mistake. So know that it doesn't take a lot of time to dedicate yourself to a practice. I called this my writing poem. Mighty wooden sword in my hand, an entire world at my command. Whether fantasy, fiction, or fact, The characters bound in a written pact I tell their tale to the very end Not just a pen pal, but an intimate friend Writing binds the past and future Wounds for me are others cure Bite my tongue, but write my mind Between the lines I always find The hidden truth we all try to hide We are all the same deep inside. For me, writing is a way that I can connect with my readership, my audience, even if that's an older version of me, tomorrow's version of me, 10 years from now's version of me. It's how I'm able to express myself in a place where there's no judgment, there's no criticism. There's no nobody to tear me apart. I can write for myself or I can write to an audience and I can just paint whatever pictures I need to with the art of, of words, of poetry, of, of personification. And we have so many words available to us. And we all are experiencing life. Whether it's reading or writing, it is a way that we relate to each other. That we can see the reflections, that we are all the same. That we are all human, no matter what our belief systems are, or our skin color, or our gender. That we all are human. Having a human experience, experiencing the same emotions having similar situations coming up in our lives. It's a beautiful thing to feel found and to to be able to feel seen, even if you're reading somebody else's words. So the books that we have today are Where the Deer Dream, The Power of now the seven spiritual laws of success, the starborn, I hope you know how much I love you, Kabbalah on Love, World of Wonders, and the Boy, the Mole. The Fox and the Horse. Each of those books will have a different passage. I will be creating links down below so you can go and check out those books if you are interested in them. I will list the authors and where you can find those books in the description. And I do want to let you guys know that the very first book that we're going to be covering, Where the Deer Dream, is actually the book that this month's guest wrote, an incredible fiction book. I hope you guys take some time and check it out of your local library or follow that link in the description and read it ahead of time so that you can tune into our interview at the end of this month and really relate to, to what we talk about.
1: Enough stalling, rainbow. Get to it. Read us our excerpts.
0: I would be happy to. Let's go ahead and start with Where the Deer Dream. Once again, if you resonated with a different book title and you just want your excerpt, go ahead and jump to the chapter of uh, ...of your book that you want to connect with. All right? Where the Deer Dreamed by Sarah Seidelman. (sighs) Finally settled beneath the comforter in bed... ...with my door closed, the tears come, sobs. The thought of being helpless and utterly dependent on others makes my chest ache. At some point, I won't be able to see the lake. Or Mom's face. I glance around my room looking at all the things I love. The graceful cedar trees bend and dance in the wind outside my window. In this moment, they suddenly feel so significant and beautiful. Their curved, soft frowns of green A canopy of arching branches that shelters my room. The cedars, I notice, seem to have a different opinion of what's happening to me. For them, everything is fine. They just continue to wave and waggle in time with the gusts casting shadows on my floor. Do they have a song, too? If they do, I imagine it sounds like comfort and gentleness. When my wave of tears subsides, I begin to think more practically about how my future will be, how it will all work. Determined on some level to deal with this new reality, I consider my prospects. My brain begins to fill with thoughts. Will any guy ever want me? A girl who's going blind? Is it happening because I haven't fully forgiven my mom? Is this a kind of punishment? Why can't I be nice like Penn is to her mom? Does my birth mom or father have retinitis pigmentosa too? It's genetic. Is that why she couldn't raise me? For a moment, I imagine my birth mother as a helpless and vulnerable blind woman, and I feel pity for her. If this is a kind of punishment from God, what do I need to fix it? If I'm a better, kinder Mira, then is it possible to reverse the damage? Or could this disease progress more slowly? All right, well, that was your excerpt. Um, Once again, that was Where the Deer Dream by Sarah Seidelman. And we'll be talking with the author later this month about her book and how writing has had such a huge impact on her spiritual uh, path. The next excerpt we're going to be reading is The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. The True Nature of Space and Time Now consider this, if there was nothing but silence, it wouldn't exist for you. You wouldn't know what it is. Only when sound appears does silence come into being. Similarly, if there were only space without any objects in space, it wouldn't exist for you. Imagine yourself as a point of consciousness floating in the vastness of space. No stars, no galaxies, just emptiness. Suddenly, space wouldn't be vast anymore it would not be there at all. There would be no speed, no movement from here to there. At least two points of reference are needed for distance and space to come into being. Space comes into being the moment the one becomes two, and the two becomes the ten thousand things, as Lao say, calls the manifested world. Space becomes more and more vast. So, world and space arise simultaneously. Nothing could be without space. Yet, space is nothing. Before the universe came into being, before the Big Bang, if you like, there wasn't a vast, empty space waiting to be filled. There was no space, as there is no thing. There was only the unmanifested, the one When the one became the 10,000 things, suddenly space seemed to be there and enabled the many to be. Where did it come from? Was it created by God to accommodate the universe? Of course not. Space is nothing. So it was never created. Go out on a clear night and look up at the sky. The thousands of stars you can see with the naked eye are no more than an infinitesimal fraction of what is there. Over 100 billion galaxies can already be detected with the most powerful telescopes. Each galaxy, an island universe with billions of stars. Yet, what is even more awe-inspiring is the infinity of space itself the depth and stillness that allows all of that magnificence to be. Nothing could be more awe inspiring and majestic than the inconceivable vastness and stillness of space. And yet, what is it? Emptiness, vast emptiness. What appears to us as space in our universe perceived through the mind and the senses is the unmanifested itself, externalized. It is the body, quote, of God. And the greatest miracle is this. The stillness and vastness that enables the universe to be is not just out there in space. It is also within you when you are utterly and totally present you encounter it as the still inner space of no mind within you it is vast in depth not an extension spatial extension is ultimately a misperception of infinite depth an attribute Of the one transcendental reality. That was your excerpt from The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. I'm going to go ahead and move into our next book. The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success by Deepak Chopra. THE LAW OF DETACHMENT In detachment lies the wisdom of uncertainty. In the wisdom of uncertainty lies the freedom from our past, from the known, which is the prison of past conditioning. And in our willingness to step into the unknown, the field of all possibilities, we surrender ourselves to the creative mind, that orchestrates the dance of the universe. Like two golden birds perched on the self-same tree, intimate friends, the ego and the self, dwell in the same body. The former eats the sweet and sour fruits of the tree of life, while the latter looks on in detachment. The mandaka apanishad. The sixth spiritual law of success is the law of detachment. The law of detachment says that in order to acquire anything in the physical universe, you have to relinquish your attachment to it. This doesn't mean you give up the intention to create your desire. You don't give up the intention. And you don't give up the desire. You give up your attachment to to the result it's a very powerful thing to do the moment you relinquish your attachment to the result combining one-pointed intention with detachment at the same time you will have that which you desire anything you want can be acquired through detachment because detachment is based on the unquestioning belief in the power of your true self attachment on the other hand is based on fear and insecurity and the need for security is based on not knowing the true self the source of wealth of abundance and of anything in the physical world is the self it is the consciousness that knows how to fulfill every need everything else is a symbol cars houses banknotes clothes airplanes symbols are transitory they come and go Chasing symbols is like settling for the map instead of the territory. It creates anxiety. It ends up making you feel hollow and empty inside because you exchange yourself for the symbols of yourself. Attachment comes from poverty consciousness because attachment is always to symbols. Detachment is synonymous with wealth consciousness, because with detachment there is freedom to create. Only from detached involvement can one have joy and laughter. Then the symbols of wealth are created spontaneously and effortlessly. Without detachment, we are prisoners of helplessness, hopelessness, mundane needs, trivial concerns, quiet desperation, and seriousness, the distinctive features of everyday mediocre existence and poverty consciousness. True wealth consciousness is the ability to have anything you want, anytime you want, with the least effort. To be grounded in this experience, you have to be grounded in the wisdom of uncertainty. In this uncertainty, you will find the freedom to create anything you want. So, that was your passage for the seven spiritual laws of success by Deepak Chopra. The next, the next, the next story. Well, it's not really a story. The next excerpt. The next excerpt is the Starborn. The Starborn. Crystals. Crystals have been given to us as tools to remember our starry origins. For the past several years, there has been an influx of quartz crystals and other minerals, which have served us as triggers to reactivate our pre-encoded cellular memory banks. Many of us have sought them out and had profound experiences with them. Although there are a profusion of books on the subject, teaching you how to program your crystals, in truth, the crystals are here to program you. Each crystal that has found its way into your life has a specific purpose to share with you that is far deeper than anything that you can think up for it to do the best way to learn from them is to simply open yourself to receiving the activations that they bring. Each crystal will tell you how to hold it and what to do with it. You will probably not receive this information in words, but rather in imprinted triggers. Crystals are fragments of stars, as we are. They have been brought into our conscious awareness that we might remember it is important that we do not forget that they are here simply as tools for reactivation for like drugs were powerful triggers in our reawakening for a brief time in the late 60s but no longer serve us the same shall be true of crystals if we become attached to their form rather than the content of what they have come here to remind us we shall miss the great blessing that they have brought to us. Their greatest teaching is that we are crystals ourselves, and we must allow ourselves to transform into our radiantly beautiful crystal light bodies, for that is our next stage of evolution, and that is why our starry brethren have embodied themselves into crystalline form, To serve in our awakening. Already crystals and other minerals are beginning to withdraw their vibrant starry energy. For their time to serve us was only meant to be brief. We should not ask these starry beings to remain in physical embodiment for too long. For they come to us at a great personal sacrifice. I do not mean to infer that the physical crystals shall leave the planet. They shall remain here as reminders of who and what we truly are. But the magic of their starry essence is being removed from the earth plane. In order to fully honor them, let us become the most radiant, shining crystals ourselves. So that was your excerpt. From The Starborn by Solara. Book number five. Book number five. I hope you know how much I love you. That's to all of you fans out there. I hope you know how much I love you. By John, by the way. The greatest success Formula. At another woman's event I attended, I was mesmerized by the outcome of an experiment conducted by Wendy Watson Nelson. For two weeks, she asked women to do a simple exercise, and the results were stunning. Here's what the women who participated in the experiment reported an increased desire to de junk their physical environments, a greatly reduced desire to watch TV. An increased desire to reach out to others and to follow through on commitments. An increased ability to be kinder, gentler, and more patient. An increased desire to take care of their bodies by living the Lord's law of health more fully. An increased ability to see how they could have handled situations better. An increased mental focus. An increased ability and desire to really study and learn. Old habits of backbiting, gossiping, and cynicalness fall away. A dramatic increase in their physical energy, because energy draining negative emotions were gone. An unbelievable reduction in stress. Profound changes in their conversations with others. By the time she finished the list, I was fit to be tied. What in the world did they do? Who wouldn't want all of these things? Who wouldn't pay a personal success coach if they could get these kinds of results? So along with all the other people in the audience, I was on the edge of my chair waiting for the profound particulars of the experiment. And what I heard was so simple, so doable, and so obvious The experiment was something I should have known all along. For five days in their morning prayers, they were to pray with the concerted effort for the Holy Ghost to be with them that day. Then throughout the day, as they encountered any difficult, tempting, or trying situation, they were to pray for and really picture the spirit being right there with them. Wendy Watson Nelson. That was that. Strive to have the spirit to be with you and really focus on the reality of that divine companionship in times of stress. It dawned on me that for all the self-help books out there, for all the experts in goal-setting and achievement, for all the infomercials and seminars, that what we really need we are already offered every sunday the greatest success formula ever devised is repeated weekly by 16 year old boys as they say and witness unto thee o god the eternal father that they are willing to take upon them the name of thy son and always remember him and keep his commandments which he hath given them that they may always be with his spirit and his spirit be with them. Moroni 4.3 Strive to have the spirit be with you and really focus on the reality of that divine companionship in times of stress. This was never a hidden formula. This was something the Lord had given us all along. And that was your excerpt for I Hope You Know How Much I Love You by John, by the way. All right. We're on to our sixth book, Kabbalah on Love, the Kabbalah on Love by Yehada Berg. Resistance as a Path to Love Beware the path of least resistance. The path of most resistance is the quickest path to love. It's important to note that resisting your reactive nature is not the same as suppressing your desires. Repression is a dead-end street. It only creates long-term physical and emotional stress. Ulcers, heart attacks, depression high blood pressure, addiction, you name it. When you stuff down your desires and pretend they do not exist, they inevitably reappear in another form. Resisting our impulses, on the other hand, is the first step toward revealing the love within. Resistance comes from knowing that the action will pay off in spades over the long term. But there is a second, equally critical step, After you resist your nature, you must share your love with others. Yet, the best ways to do that are not always apparent because the opponent is working hard to obscure them. So, you must ask yourself, where are there opportunities to love in this situation? When you open yourself up in this way to the wisdom of the light, the answers will appear effortlessly. Remember that opportunities to share love exist in every situation. Practice makes perfect. Your partner makes an insensitive comment, and your primal instinct is to react with anger or a hurtful comment. You practice resistance by recognizing this impulse and choosing not to act on it. You accept the truth that a soul cannot be insulted, and it can only be your ego that is hurt and a hurt ego is a good thing for it allows your soul to shine brighter next you must activate your sharing nature sharing your love might mean putting your arms around your partner when you don't feel like it at all or choosing loving words when you'd prefer to use words equipped with barbs in other words instead of making this whole situation about your own ego Receiving, you make it about loving your partner. Sharing. That's your excerpt on The Kabbalah on Love by Yehuda Berg. The next book, book number seven, is The World of Wonders. The World of Wonders. The author's name I will most likely mispronounce since her last name is extremely long, but I will do my best. And uh, may she forgive me for completely butchering her name. Her name is Amy Nezhuku Matalhil. Matalhil. Nezhuku Matalhil. Nazhuku Mat Athil, Nazhuku matathil All right, I'm not spending any more time trying to pronounce her last name. I apologize <laughs> to everybody out there. <laughs> um, Amy, if I pronounce your name super wrong, please hit me up. Let me know how I'm supposed to pronounce your name. I'd love that. Thank you. Okay, once again. World of Wonders, book number seven. Here's your excerpt. Potus are one of the few birds that never build a nest. Males and females take turns warming a single white egg with purple spots settled in a divot of a tree branch. When the baby is born, its feathers are pure white. And when it gets too large to safely hide under a parent, it learns how to freeze just so to resemble a patch of white mushrooms. For a bird famous for its stoic stillness, the potu's call would sound comical if it didn't sound so scary. If your eyes were closed, you'd never imagine it came from such an austere-looking creature. The call is what you'd get if you combined a tiger roar with a frog croak. If both animals were in severe gastrointestinal distress. If I were in a Brazilian rainforest and heard this cry, I might imagine it was going to be my last day on this planet. That's how chilling and terrifying the Potu cry is. Stephen Hilty's book, Birds of Venezuela, describes it as a fairly loud, gruff, descending somewhat, like the retching sound of a human. In other words, the stuff of nightmares. Perhaps the reason the potu leads a motionless, mainly solitary life is to balance its audacious calm. There is a time for stillness, But who hasn't also wanted to scream with delight at being outdoors? To simply announce themselves and say, I'm here! I exist! Like the Potu, I grew up wanting to blend in, in my case, with my blonde counterparts. And why would I know anything else? I felt most seen in my childhood Not by any television shows or movies, but rather when I was in the outdoors in forests or fields by the lake or ocean, I learned how to be still from watching birds. If I wanted to see them, I had to mimic their stillness, to move slow in a world that wishes us brown girls to be fast. I learned how to call cardinals and have whole conversations with them when I was six, One of the earliest presents I can remember getting from my father is a cardinal-shaped water whistle. If I filled it with water and blew into the plastic straw of its exaggerated tail, I could mimic the distinctive hurdy-gurdy, hurdy-gurdy call of a cardinal so well that I could bring cardinals to the edges of our yard, wondering just what I had to say to them. Eventually, I stopped using the whistle and I learned how to do it all on my own, first in Ohio, while in college and graduate school, when I thought no one might be hanging around the Oval, the main lawn on campus. Second, in Wisconsin, when I lived for a year postgraduate school, during long walks around Lake Mendota, when I'd try to wrestle out a line that vexed me for what would become my first book. "'Birds have always been an easy audience for me, "'and I hope I've been an easy, if confusing, audience for them "'with my poultry replies. "'These conversations were a secret I kept even from my husband "'until one late spring day when he came home from work early "'only to find me in the backyard having a lengthy discussion "'with a riled-up red cardinal and his mate. "'Both birds perched just above my head, had seemed to enjoy our talk. But then their metallic chirps sounded more and more insistent, and I had to admit, I answered back a little glibly, and then poof, they burst from the tree and ended our conversation right there. When I turned round, my husband's mouth was frozen open. Reader, we had been married a decade, and this was the first time he had ever seen me do this. "'I'm certain it's not any magic in my mouth, "'no special twist of tongue that only I have unlocked. "'But I think it's the quiet way you settle into the crook of a tree trunk, "'the still and slow down of your heart "'in a world that wants us to be quick and to move on to the next thing. "'The secret in talking to birds is in the steadiness of each limb "'as you make your way into their territory.' in the deliberateness of each movement and the bend of a tree branch and grass blade. And just like the potu, who is rewarded for her stillness by having her lunch practically fly right into her mouth, perhaps you could try a little tranquility. Find a little tenderness in your quiet. Who knows what feathered gifts await? So that was your excerpt for World of Wonders, uh, written by Amy Nez Nezhukumatathil. I'm so sorry, Amy. <laughs> All right, we're on to our very last book. Very last book, The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse by Charlie Mackesey. This is the only book in the entire grouping that has illustrations. And they're beautiful illustrations, and I recommend you guys look into this really amazing book. Being kind to yourself is one of the greatest kindnesses said the mole. We often wait for kindness, but being kind to yourself can start now, said the mole. Often, the hardest person to forgive is yourself. Sometimes I feel lost, said the boy. Me too, said the mole. But we love you and love brings you home. I think everyone is just trying to get home, said the mole. It's a short excerpt. I think some of his his writing is the most impactful because of its simplicity and its truth. So once again, that was The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse by Charlie Mackesy. I hope you found an excerpt that you connected with, that you related with, that gave you some new perspectives, that inspired you, I know that all of the excerpts I read today, when I first read those books, and maybe even the second time reading those books, had a very powerful impact on me, and even rereading them today felt powerful. So I really appreciate you guys tuning in this week, getting ready for an exciting month, exploring the power and freedom that writing gives us. Your challenge this month is to write. Please write. Doesn't matter what you write. A daily journal, start a diary, poems, gratitude practices. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what it is. Just do your best and try and write each and every week help yourself, explore yourself, okay? I would love to see what you guys write. Go ahead and send it to me. Hit me up on social media. Friend me on Instagram and DM me those writings. I would love to read them. Maybe I'll even read them on air next week or the following week. That is something I would love to do for you guys. So if you guys send me stuff, I will read it on air. That's my promise to you, all right? Thank you guys so, so much for tuning in, for listening, for for being a part of helping yourself grow, taking care of yourself, this self-care journey. I'm so proud of each and every one of you for putting in the time and the love, and the effort, and I can't wait to explore more with you. I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your week, and let's keep ascending together. All right? Have a good day. Bye.
1: Are you ready to ascend to the next level? This is Rainbow Raja, your spirit guide calling. Please be sure to keep all arms and legs inside your vessel at all times. I'm just here to remind you to take some time today, support Rainbows Rising Podcast. Go join the Discord community. Check out the Patreon, get some stickers, custom tarot cards, check out the merch. The merch! You know you want to go connect with Rainbow Raja, maybe even get a session, who knows? Your support helps make this show possible, and she loves to support you. Help support her, too. Once again, this is Rainbow Raja, your spirit guide, guiding you to your ascension.